Hey folks, thank you for checking out today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast, the Sunday NBA shootaround edition of the podcast during the NBA season. This comes up every Monday morning, so look out for that uh, on this very podcast feed. Yeah, uh, Lauren Gunn and Corbin Ford uh, every Sunday uh, coming into your podcast feed on Monday mornings. So right there, ready for you on your Monday morning commute uh, or with uh, however you are listening to this very feed, uh, guess what? This is on YouTube too. So if you want to watch us and you want to watch every episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, go to youtube.com, type in the Chase Thomas Podcast. You'll find it every episode, uh, a video component. Um, So go like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Share it out. Would be greatly appreciated. Uh, If you like listening to the Chase Thomas Podcast and are a frequent listener, please do uh, make sure and leave a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure to go check out chasethomaspodcast.com. I'll access to all of my previous episodes. Uh, make sure to go to the newsletter. Yeah, got a daily newsletter too. Uh, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. Go ahead and subscribe there. Sports Renaissance Man, that's me. Um, all right. Lauren Gunn, Corbin Ford, NBA. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Chase Thomas podcast. We're back. NBA Sunday shoot around. One of my favorite pods that we now do every week during the NBA season, where I get to talk basketball with Lauren Gunn of Mavs Moneyball. Corbin might be here later. We'll see if Corbin Ford makes an appearance. We'll see. We're hoping. Fingers crossed. But happy to have you here, Lauren. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. We survived the deadline. Debatable, mm-hmm. I guess. It's you know still hanging in there, but I'm good. I I'm always looking forward to our Sunday shoot around. So uh, happy to be back. Well, uh, the Hawks play at two o'clock today on ABC, which is just they they don't care about my work life balance whatsoever. <laughs> just a two o'clock NBA game before uh, four hours of Super Bowl coverage. I was like, I wasn't planning on doing that this afternoon, but mm-hmm. sure, got to do it because Boston's gonna be fun and like yeah. that's just uh, a game that you got to pay attention to. But um, it's funny we before we uh, started recording, we were we were talking about our teams because I mean, no matter what, it's just funny that we're doing these pods because our superstars are going to be linked forever no matter what um mm-hmm. if you watch the mavs hawks broadcast on espn this past sunday uh you would be reminded and you would be beaten <laughs> over a head that <laughs> these two players were traded for one another people forget that that trey young and luka Doncic were actually traded on draft night um just to fill in the good folks if they had forgotten that um but it was that was a dumpster fiber game did not enjoy it we don't have to relitigate reggie bullock getting lost in the corner anymore um and just the fouls and not taking advantage of luca just not playing because he got in crazy foul trouble Mm -hmm. um i'm not still mad about that (laughs) at all or anything um but our teams are just in this weird bind where i think what we were talking about and like the general consensus or maybe just the broader theme of like having a superstar in today's NBA is that like Mm -hmm. you're on the clock so early and you're on the clock and you don't have that much time because there's, it's just player movement is so common now and superstars know that they can force their way out and they're just, they're not going to waste their time. They're not going to blindly trust that these are organiz- like, you're not going to get a Dame. Like the Damian Lillards are few and far between mm-hmm. and you have to expect, and that's like something I'm talking with Atlanta sports guys and just Atlanta fans about this, where I'm like the, the idea that Trey's loyal, like, no, it's just going to come down to like, is he tired of his usage? Does he think that, does he lose trust in Schlenk? Does he lose trust in them being able to build a winner around him 
while he's in his prime. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with that with Luca, where Luca's mm-hmm. like, yeah, y'all are doing cool things. We moved on, got a coach I like and all that kind of stuff. But like, if I'm still having to do literally everything and there's no path for us to win a title, guess what? I know I can go force my way out and try somewhere else. Like, even if they're wrong, like superstars are generally speaking wrong. Like Harden was wrong about this, mm-hmm. generally speaking, and they go about it in the wrong way. Some do, some don't, but ultimately they know that they can get through. Like Ben Simmons just didn't play. That man just quit and just got his way. And mm-hmm. now he's in Brooklyn and we get, he gets to move on because they can take advantage of like just the short-term memory loss. And people forget because you're going to see Ben Simmons do amazing stuff in Brooklyn. Guess mm-hmm. what? We just moved on from all the stuff and just the mental health aspect, which is just gross mm-hmm. that we've just, we're going to move on. And I, it, it makes a lot of fan bases like our own very nervous because the clock's ticking and right. they, I, you're, I think in a better situation than the Hawks because the Hawks are a play in team this year. Your team can at least win a first round series this year. The difference being that the Hawks went to the Eastern conference finals last year. So Trey has been able to experience that. And that's yeah. something that, that helps to have him back in his, his mind that he's like, well, we've gotten close at least while I've been here. So even if we took a back, step back this year, it's fine. But if Luka gets bounced in the first round this year or he has to do a bunch like that, it all adds up. The minutes add up. The time mm-hmm. adds up. And I think it's just a shorter fuse for yeah. a lot of guys these days. And I think that was what I was gathered uh, gathering from you. But what uh, is that a fair way of framing all of this? Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's a fair way. I think what's interesting is that I kind of feel like the Hawks are in a better position. Like, I I guess I could probably talk in circles around it (laughs) um, because, like you said, the Hawks have made it to the Eastern Conference finals. But then the pressure of taking that step back and the the impact of how that's going to feel like that's a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, and, And with Dallas, it seems like you're continuing to trend upward and okay, that first round, getting out of the first round, like it's coming, like Luca's going crazy. It's coming. But now it is more so than ever matchup mm-hmm. based because we don't have anyone to guard the paint really. And and I, I mean that, you know, I don't want to disrespect anybody, but it's, you, there's such a gaping hole on the roster in terms of the front court and front court depth. And so I could go back and forth on who's in a worse position, the Hawks or the, or the Mavs. And what's crazy is like the small market of it all. And I think I, I don't, well, actually I don't know, but I feel like Atlanta and Dallas, like their fan bases in that area are super strong and super loyal. But like in terms of being a player, evaluating other places to go, like there's so much pressure on these quote unquote middle market teams to build that championship roster within like, you know, five seconds is what it feels Mm -hmm. like. And so um, you know, Atlanta going out and signing last year or uh, yeah, la- was it last year? I don't even know. The time is flying like with Gallo and Bogdan. And yeah, then- it was last summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. And then with <laughs> Dallas, like you make the trade to try and get Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Okay. Failed experiment. So like they're trying, but mm-hmm. a failed attempt doesn't mean anything. It doesn't carry a lot of weight. And so mm-hmm. there's just, there's so much pressure to win and it's, it's so difficult because one thing that I keep coming back to is, you know, what is the right answer? Like in terms of the line between player empowerment and like ownership and front office power, because if you're a middle market team, like it just seems like 
it doesn't take much to lose mm-hmm. that guy, which again opens up a whole other conversation about drafting someone that, you know, buys into the culture, someone like Jaw or someone like Tyrese Halberton, which, you know, I'm sure we'll get to at some point or what, you know, mm-hmm. at some point. But um it's just there's so many moving parts and it makes it very difficult for middle market teams to have true long-term success. And so mm-hmm. I do worry about it. And I I do worry for Dallas because right now they have like a solid group from like players, I don't know, four through, I don't know, nine, but mm-hmm. like what, and player one is there, but like two, three, four, like, Oh God, it's just, it's very difficult to have success with that formula. And so I don't, I don't know that I'm like before when, even with Porzingis, I was like, I we're getting out of the first round this year. Like I feel pretty confident mm-hmm. about that, but now I don't have that same confidence. And it's just, it's hard to see the road forward when you have so many options and there's just so much uh, variation and like, you're just looking at too many things and too many opportunities for things to go wrong. And in this day and age, if you're a middle market team, it does kind of feel like there's a lot stacked against you and it's a tall order to have to overcome. It's also just that like Dallas, I think Dallas is having some like PTSD um, from the post championship Dirk year of just like, yeah. Oh, we're going to not retain. And we're just going to, uh, we're going to build off this and free agency. Mm-hmm. Now we're a destination. We have this money and we want a title. So we proved that we're a destination. Um, Dallas and Atlanta, even though they are quote unquote, big markets, they're still, right. like you said, it's still not a superstar destination. Yeah, and you, until that changes, you can't operate like it's a superstar destination. And that, is unfortunate because that makes it significantly more difficult. Like mm-hmm. we're seeing that with Portland where it's like, I don't know. I like, I get what you want to do and you want to kind of shake things up a little bit around Dame, but you have this cap, like you have a free agent capital, but have you looked at the free agents? Have you looked at who's probably coming? Like, do you really think you're going to be able to do that much to, I mean, it, we'll see. It's an right. unknown. We can't say for sure what they're going to do yet. But I think with Dallas now, like you said, they're, they're solid. There's not, it's just, there's no, when you look at this roster and like you said, the four through nine is all solid and you look at it, but you're like, none of these pieces, even if you throw them all together, gets you another star. So then you're just counting on like, and there's no stars that you're going to get in free agency. So (laughs) you're down to like, well, maybe we find our Kawhi or Paul George in the draft or something. We do something amazing with Mm. that, but it's like, there's no path. And that's what I think yeah. is troubling you, right? Is that you're like, I don't see the path to us getting Luca serious help now. Like, I don't know how yeah. we go about that. Right. Well, so it's, so the feeling is that, I mean, Dallas has their first round pick this year. It can't mm-hmm. trade it till draft night because of the Stepien rule. And so I don't know if they will trade it on draft night. Mm-hmm. And it, that might be an opportunity for them to be like, Hey, you know, this Tom Hardaway Jr. contract, this Davis Bertans contract, like we, do, we got to do something. And so mm-hmm. personally, I want to keep them. I want to see them keep the pick and draft, yeah. and just, you know, see what happens. But I think their best plan right now is you resign Jalen Brunson and you've already resigned Dorian Finney-Smith. You now have guys that are va- like they will be valuable on their contracts, whereas Tim Dinwiddie Bertans and arguably Reggie Bullock and Dwight Powell mm. are not good value contracts right or seen as good value contracts and so you're having to rely on Jalen Brunson to continue uh, this upward trend and to do well in the playoffs which historically has not and again we've played the Clippers and the Clippers Mm. make things very tough for Brunson but Mm. 
you just you're banking on a lot of things going right and you're banking on hitting on these draft picks and again you don't you can't bank like hope is not a strategy you cannot bank Mm. on just hitting an absolute home run but if you hit on someone in the draft that at least comes in and is like a functional reliable nba player on a team that is looking to go you know at least deep trying to go deep in the playoffs then you Mm -hmm. can try and put together a package when those picks become available and i keep coming back to like look at devin booker making his first finals appearance after eight years in the league people kept looking like time is running out on book like luca's only been in the like there you've got some time but there needs to be a path and right now the path for dallas you have to have a lot of things go right and when you have limited draft assets and you're looking at a group that's probably going to have to add sweetener to get off of certain contracts. What does are you now spending either your picks or the guys that you just selected when you finally had the pick as the sweetener to move off of? Because then at that point, you have nothing left to trade to try and go get that star. So it's they've got a lot of challenges ahead of them and like hoping that a star is going to want to come play with Jason Kidd or loves Nico Harrison from their Nike days or is a fan of Mark Cuban. Like those are not palpable, reliable strategies like that. There's a lot of hope involved and a lot of crossing your fingers, which is why I do feel kind of, I mean, it's very, I think a lot of Mavs fans are very frustrated because they can immediately see the challenges that, are now coming with this move, even though you're getting rid of the Porzingis cloud, you no longer have to deal with the availability or the, what if we get New York Porzingis or the potential is there. You're it's great to not have to deal with that anymore, but now you just have a whole other like just group of challenges. And I it's, it's very hard to see a successful path. Like I keep going back to um, Avengers, the Avengers <laughs> game when, when Iron Man is like, asking dr strange how many like what's the how many scenarios does this work and he's like one Mm. that's how i feel right now that is truly how i feel that's so sad i i feel bad i mean your team is having a good year like that's it's that's what sucks um i don't know because like the hawks it's interesting when you talk about like because jalen brunson is basically y'all's deandre hunter um for us because deandre like so much of what the Hawks can still do is DeAndre because Bogey, I don't think is a good contract around the league. Gallo is up at this year. That's fine. Capella has been awful this year and I don't know what that, and we couldn't trade him anyway at the deadline. Mm-hmm. So um, you got to move uh, to make space for Anyaka and Kongwu, who's going to be great, like a great player. Yeah. Um, but you look around this group and you're like, oh man, it's like Kevin Herter might be our best draft asset outside of Collins. And I, I like Hawks fans are split on this. Um, but for me, Collins has always been untouchable. Like you see the reports that the Kings took, like go, went after him and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, he is so important to the locker room. And I, I've said this a lot on this podcast, but I am terrified about losing John Collins in this group. And I think wow. he's been a leader from the beginning. And he is someone that like, I don't know, you just have to be very careful when you move mm-hmm. somebody like John Collins. And I also yeah. understand that like, this is ultimately about winning titles and, if John Collins is your best trade asset, trade asset or Kevin Herter is and Kevin Herter does so many other things great for this team. And he's so good working with the starters and he's so good understanding his role. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to ask for more. He's not going to rock the boat. Like he's not uh, a miles Turner type situation where he's like, I can do more. Um, he's mm-hmm. not, he's fine. He's a glue guy. And those are important to have. And you think about it and you're like, well, great. We're a playing team this year. So you can't like beggars can't be choosers, but you also want to operate from a position of strength. But right. 
Hunter hasn't been good. Like he's shooting well, but outside of that, you got to watch these games where it's it. He's just not going to be a star. And I think the more games that you log, the more people will realize, oh, he might just be Andrew Wigginsy. Like there might be some Andrew Wiggins stuff to him, or some Harrison Barnes even. Yeah, and that's a good player. Like I think DeAndre Hunter is going to play in this league a long time but you're not going to win a title. You're not going to win the East. And that was the thing with the East that I was going to say with the difference with the Mavs that helps y'all right now is that the East is set up for the top two seeds in the East or the top four ish. It's like, it's done. Mm-hmm. There are, there's so much top end talent now at the yeah. top of the East with Harden and Embiid on Philly for at least two years. Cause Harden opted in. Yep. You know that you have two top 10 guys there. Now you have Brooklyn with Kevin Durant, who might be the best player in basketball. He's still there. Kyrie, mm-hmm. eventually he will be allowed to play home games, folks. Like that's eventually going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. It's killed their season, but is it going to happen at some point? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what does this team look like with KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons for a bunch of games? I don't think they can put it all together this year, but next year they're in there. Like you should yeah. look at them as a favorite in the East. The Bulls are now there. The mm-hmm. Heat are not going anywhere for a couple of years. Bam's playing at another level. He's not going anywhere. So you just think of in the Bucks, who I think are the favorite still to come out of the East, and they're still locked in. Middleton's locked in, Drew's locked in, and Giannis is locked in. So you look at that and you're like, if you're the Hawks, you're like, do we have enough guys and enough firepower to get through like a two to three round gauntlet against us? It's like, mm-hmm. no. You need more top end talent. The only way for this not to end poorly with Trey in this group is they have to get Trey real help who can win a seven-game series against the Bucks and the Nets in succession. Mm-hmm. And right now, this group doesn't. And that's the NBA can be a cold league, man. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just your reality has hit the Hawks hard this year because I think last year was kind of a, an amazing outlier with Ben Simmons imploding in the playoffs and us getting where we need about like Giannis getting hurt temporarily in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like there was a lot that helped. Like the Hawks deserve a lot of credit for what they did, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of lock involved. And that was not something that was going to happen again. So Schlenk has to make decisions because the more minutes that Bogey gets, the more minutes that Hunter gets, the more minutes that Collins gets, the more people realize around the league they're like, okay, this is probably closer to what he is, and he's not moving the needle for us because neither of those three are turning us turning a franchise around. They're not. The picks are what's amazing. Like Cam Red, theoretical Cam Reddish is a lot more intriguing than actual Cam Reddish, and that's unfortunate, but that's reality. So it's a burn asset that you can't mm-hmm. get back, and it you have to thread a really really nice needle. And you're like you're talking about with Jalen. You need Jalen Brunson to keep playing well because you're like, I need you to be our best trade asset because when we pay you, you're a big contract and we need you to play good enough that we can attach you as a contract and get something else to help Luca get to where he needs to be. Because I don't know, with us, we're, we have one franchise guy and yep. then we have a bunch of pieces that we like around him. Mm-hmm. Like you, We both have veterans we like. Your bogey or our, my bogey is your... Uh, Reggie Bullock, like there are pieces around them. We're like, we like all these guys objectively, but you can't win. Like you're kind of stuck. Like and all, like you're just kind of stuck, and yeah. it kind of bumps me out. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that one, we both have our number one guys, right? So we both have our number one, which it's which is great because that's mm-hmm. the most difficult part is getting the number one, and so mm-hmm. you've got that. But what's so interesting is like the set of problems that we're both facing. Cause like you have young guys, you have Onyeka Okongwu, like you mm-hmm. have a lot of young guys that have trade value. John Collins, you're going to get a solid return for that if you move on from him and you have the draft assets. But mm-hmm. the landscape of the East in the short term and long term future is very challenging. For Dallas, 
you don't have the trade assets or you don't mm-hmm. have the draft assets. The guys that you would trade are a little bit older than in, in, in uh, comparison to the Hawks guys and uh, some other teams around the league, but like they're in their kind of mid to late twenties, which makes it more difficult in terms of what their ceiling is and how um, appealing they are as trade assets. And, but the West is, you know, you got Chris Paul, you've got the warriors, Draymond, like, Draymond injuries, what do they look like without Draymond? And then like, you know, moving forward, who are the Warriors in the next Mm -hmm. two to as many as four years? And then, yeah, so like Phoenix, Chris Paul. Yeah, we talked about Chris Paul, the injuries there, like he's getting older. There are just lots of questions in the West. And so it's a completely different set of problems because I feel like Atlanta has more to work with in terms of acquiring talent than Dallas does. But Dallas has an easier like path future in terms of to ascension. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of trade off. Um, but again, so many challenges for both teams. I just don't really know what's reasonable to expect. Well, Corbin Ford is here, Corbin, and this is how we're going to throw you into this. Um, we've been talking about our teams, the Atlanta Hawks and the Dallas Mavericks and where they're at right now. And, we want to get your perspective. So we're going to throw you into the fire. Who do you think is more stuck in the next couple of years with their roster and with who they've surrounded their franchise talents with the Hawks with Trey and their pieces or Dallas and Luca, man. That, well, first of all, good morning. You both. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a story later about that, but um, about the two teams. Um, that is a very interesting question. I like at First glance, like I think I immediately kind of look toward Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of having it a little bit easier, I think. I think because there's at least in my mind, like some sort of, I guess, like mutual kind of meeting of the minds between mm-hmm. front office, coaching staff, and the players, Luca being the best player. And like, okay, how can we find players to fail on Luca? I think this recent trade deadline kind of proved that a little bit more because like Kristaps was always kind of a weird fit. They made that move. Um, the previous front office, they tried it. Uh, you had some interpersonal issues at first and then some playing style issues. And even with the Mavericks playing as well as they did on the defensive end with Christophe Porzingis, the front office said, okay, you know what? Like the injury history has been there. Um, maybe this isn't the right fit. Let's let's, let's make some moves. You know, mm-hmm. now whether Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans are the answer there, that remains to be seen. But hey, they both fill on paper needs that Dallas had around That's their star players. So I got to look at it that way. Where in Atlanta, big I love Trey Young fan, obviously very talented player, but you're still trying to figure out like the pieces that you have that are young that are growing alongside them, um, alongside the veterans that you brought that helped you, you know, make these kind of times last year, but may not be the best fit. I mean, Danilo Gallinari has been in trade rumors all year when he was a big piece, you know, coming over. Um, Bogdan Madonovich, I think, has been great, but you know, you have him as well. Um, John Collins has been disgruntled at times trying to find his fit. You look at other young guys that are on the roster as well. You obviously make a trade. Um, to move on from Cam Reddish because he doesn't fit and you have to start paying these younger guys coming up here in seasons um, seasons coming up. So Atlanta's in a weird mix where you've already spent kind of money on the vets to kind of, I want to say, expedite your your, your championship window, if you will. Um, but you already have young guys who, whether for injury or just lack of development, do not get enough minutes, whatever the reason is, they haven't had enough time to show like exactly what they may be capable of, but they're out of time because now you have to make a decision whether to put money into them. So that means trades, you know, and then the trades you did, the camera trade didn't yield a great return because Atlanta has players that they have in place, but they're trying to kind of figure out. So I just think there's too much in flux 
you know, over an ATL for me to immediately go over there. Um, maybe during this offseason, they start addressing some actual needs in a way that I think, you know, makes sense. Okay, the front office understands what the players are kind of like, what the players are at in terms of their level of contention status and then make a move from there. I just haven't seen Dallas do kind of the, except for the Kristaps move, the kind of crazy, okay, we're here now. When maybe we aren't and we still need to like, you know, bide our time. We have our young piece that oh, we're building our whole team around. He's under contract for a few more years. We're not tanking. So I think being in level of contention and not selling the farm for, you know, a missed bid at a championship is probably the, the better way to go. And I think Dallas has done that. ATL is still trying to figure it out. Hmm. Interesting. I, uh, I'm so fast to see what the Hawks do. Cause I was yeah. telling Lauren to Corbin, it's just that like, Trey's not signing up for 162 playing game type scenarios. Like uh, it, you're not doing that. Like he's not putting out, he's not carrying a 30 plus usage rate and then carrying this team to through an 82 game grind in back to back years of just him doing it all. Like he's not doing it. Like that's just not his MO Luca. Same way. I, I don't think he wants to just, he wants the offense to run through him. Mm-hmm. But that man does not want to be the only person responsible for keeping this thing afloat and keeping them in contention. And but it's also like I wonder if you sat him down. And you're like, hey, KP was a big swing for us. Like that's a that was at the time. Like every, hindsight's twenty twenty. But people ripped the Knicks for that trade. Yeah, that was something that people love for Dallas, and that shows it. Just it can change so quickly and. Dallas, it's sad the return. Like, do you even like Dimwitty? Do you like the fit there? Because I mean, I think I mentioned to you in the text or in the the, the group chat on Twitter, it was just that like Rick Carlisle's missing out. Like, you've got 19 guards and wings that he can go. <laughs> you can go five guards uh, at this point. Um, hey, bring back Harris. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know. What do you What do you think of at least the return? And do you think yeah. KP? Like, I don't even know if he'll play in DC. I don't know how any of that's going to go. I, I. <sighs> Is KP playing basketball in two years? Like, <laughs> I hope, I really hope that he is. And I think I do. Oh God, I don't know. I don't know because I, mm-hmm. and I'm, and to be honest, I'm so glad I don't have to think about it anymore. The, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, I can't you feel better. You. That's how happy with DeAndre Hunter is yeah, like, once he's just so gone, weird. I don't have to think about it anymore. It's so weird how much it's like, oh man, if we would just have Porzingis tonight against Philly, like at least we'd have a big body down there. Like, it's so it's nice to not have to think about that. And so here's where I keep coming back is like, take the contract and you can't, you really can't take the contracts aside when you're thinking about mm. planning. And, but from a, this season, what the, what the game is going to look like and what the rotation and, and the schemes are going to look like right now, you have Jalen Brunson, who's earned his spot as a starter next to Luca. And it's great. Like you said that Luca doesn't have to carry and facilitate and do everything. So that's great. But when those two come out of the game, you're looking at Trey Burke or Frank Nilakina, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, that <laughs> you can only do so much with that. So now, if you're looking at one, this current group, when we haven't really had Porzingis a lot anyway, but you're now swapping that guy to come in and carry the second unit, and it's no longer Trey Burke, it's now Spencer Dinwiddie. You don't need him. Like the injury concerns are are there for Spencer Dinwiddie. Like those are valid, and I know he's having a down year, but like when you don't need him to be a starter, because like I'm not a fan of the, of a potential three-guard lineup, I think that's a disaster, and I don't think it will happen. Maybe closing lineups, potentially, some at some point. But I think starting, I think he's going to come off the bench and he's going to carry the second unit. And I, I think he'll be 
that will be fine. And so I will be, I'm excited from a basketball fit of him being the one to carry that second unit over someone like Trey Burke. I like that on paper. And with Bertans, I mean, yeah, he's having a down year shooting, uh, shooting year, but career 40% three point shooter, like 40% on the dot. And so he's got range. He can shoot kind of on the move. And so I do, I do I have a whole lot of confidence in our front court? No, but we need spacing and we need shooting because as a group, we haven't been shooting very well this year. So I think he'll off the bench, you know, be able to provide a little bit of a boost there. And if he's not knocking down shots, the defense will most likely not be there. So you don't have to play him. Like you don't have to start him. You don't have to play him if, if it's just not there. And so in terms of like production and what they'll give you, like they will give us this offensive juice, I think but they're also going to be playing anywhere from 30 to 40 minutes collectively. And so how does that affect your defense? I think we're going to see a little bit of a a step back there, but again, we didn't have Porzingis and our defense was holding up. Okay. Or fine. So it's going to be a little bit of a trade-off, but I think they're looking forward to having this offensive kind of versatile group where you can roll out some guards because there have also been times when we rolled out lineups that have had Frank, Nilakina, Jalen Brunson, and Luca all in one lineup. Like that has mm-hmm. happened before, and it's been like, ooh, ooh, what's going on here? But it's it's been okay. And so, um, the very first game after the trade, the day of the trade, uh, we played the Clippers, who again a lot of wings that that whole lineup and, and philosophy, and we rolled out like Dorian at the five a little bit, Josh Green in the Bruce Brown, Terrence Mann type four just run everywhere, cover as much as you can kind of roll. And I think that that's something that we're going to kind of see, which will be good for Dallas because they've never really done that. They've tried Mm -hmm. to kind of stay with this traditional, you have the big, you have the rim roller and Dwight Powell, but throwing out Dorian at the five, trying to make Josh Green be this versatile kind of um, Swiss army knife. Like Mm -hmm. I think he can do that and I'm okay with that. And I'm okay with them getting a little creative here until they have the opportunity to bring in somebody new. Well, that brings us back to Corbin's team who gave up uh, at the deadline. They gave up Corbin and you hate to see it, folks. You really do hate to see the Lakers just punting on uh, another LeBron season. And uh, my prediction, though, I feel really good about my LeBron's not a Laker uh, after this year prediction. I This is Oof. it. This this is it. Um, I it just Corbin <laughs> is. I, I know I got a hoodie, but it's hot. You know, like, like, whoa, okay. This man Ooh. is a Phoenix Sun. This time next year, he is a Phoenix Sun. DeAndre Ayton gets the max, and DeAndre Ayton is a Laker, and they facilitate LeBron finishes career as the five, where he was always going to go down to. He is a center now in this league. And you go Chris Paul, Booker, and LeBron, and that's it. And Mikael oh Bridges is also God. a Laker. That's what you do. I think, I think there's happens. a reason he took him first in the draft. I don't hate. Yes. I don't hate that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow! 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 I am wow. I'm wow. I am also wow. speechless. I am. Well, also, like, <laughs> he just sips the coffee. <laughs> Once he's erupted chaos, what more can you do, right? Oh wow. Um, I don't even know how to. No, I mean, listen. Okay, I would have mm-hmm. said, I, I don't know. I, I don't I, know. No, I feel like this is the thing. Everything in my body wants to say no. Like, are you serious? But like, the Rob Palenka led Laker front office mm-hmm. has been like pretty bad. I mean, especially mm-hmm. since like, okay, in the moments of the trade, I was glued. You know, it was, it was live show and stuff going on. I was like, okay, what are the Lakers going to do? I'm looking at the Knicks. I'm looking mm-hmm. at the Rockets. Got the rest of Westbrook contract. I love Russ, but you know, 
Yep. Gotta move on. Yep. Let's see what can happen. And then nothing happens. I'm like, oh, well, in my first thought, like all my friends started texting me. I'm like responding as I can. Like, listen, like news comes out of the trade deadline, like minutes after the deadlines actually happen. Like, it's probably made a move. Like, let's wait. And then mm-hmm. we get the text from Woj, and I was like, gosh, like, man, are you kidding me? And <laughs> like, I, I was stunned for a second. I had no words. I was like, wow, like I'm. We're, I told my friend, I'm like, I, I, I don't think we're going to win the championship this year. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Listen, listen. Hold on. It is February 13th. And you were telling your friend this week that you're like, I don't know, guys. My team that's a couple games under 500 might not win the NBA finals this year. Is that what's happening here? Is that what you're telling me? Listen, my podcast okay. is going to change the line. Uh-huh. Right? We're five games under 500. Yes, I get that. This but is unbelievable. We were, we were, we were I don't know what right? to do with this. I, well, thinking, uh, the mindset okay. was, listen, the mm-hmm. trade line comes. Maybe we can make right. some moves. We can pull a 2018 LeBron, uh-huh. you know, where he, you know, rehauled that entire Cavs roster, brought some yeah. but He's still LeBron James. And we have AD who is not like, you know, I would I put it like a level anywhere near LeBron, but like he's a, a very good starting point for like a second player. So I thought mm-hmm. we rehaul our role players. Mm-hmm. LeBron gets that second win. We we move out Russell Westbrook, take out the bad vibes, and then we got a whole mm-hmm. new team rejuvenated. After the after the Warriors and the Suns, I feel like it's kind of wide open. Um, it, you know, not the for the Lakers. Point. Well, it's not why it doesn't feel like. Listen, listen. Again, this was, this was under a hypothetical new team, okay? Right, and, right. And the ensuing vibes and continuity that will go with that. But oh, there aren't I, I discounted the vibes. That was my mistake. <laughs> Got you, okay? But once we didn't make a move, I was like, oh, we're just going to do exactly what we've been doing. And then mm. it hit me. I was like, oh. And my friend made fun of me, too. He's like, oh, now you think so? Yeah, yeah, yeah now mm. I do, okay? But You're a good we, fan. I appreciate that. That's, yeah, the positivity is... That's I, amazing. I, I, try, I have. I try. A, can I ask a question to kind of both of you? Because I'm very mm-hmm. curious what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, on that report that came out, and I don't remember it 100%, but basically, I mean, I know you both saw it, uh, where that guy said that Rob... The Palinka of it all basically said that him, LeBron, they were all on the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. What are yeah. your thoughts on that? And maybe if you can remember it better for anyone that didn't see it, like what were your takeaways from that? I, I was really about to comment on that. I'm glad yeah. you brought that up, Lauren. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah, apparently, the I was waiting. I'm like, okay, that's some kind of explanation yeah. as to why the Lakers have glaring holes and needs in their roster, despite having a full 15 man rotate, like 15 man l- l- roster, did not make yeah. any moves. Just mm-hmm. really traded DeAndre Jordan in a, in a pick. Talking about a roster space. Like, yeah. could that have happened? No. Apparently, you know, Rob Palenka said there was a alignment between him, LeBron AD, in terms of, hey, we're going to stick with this roster and mm-hmm. make it work, which I'm like, mm. like, I, when I first heard that, I was like, that seems odd because, like, again, reading off the vibes. But yeah. remember a few games ago, Russell Westbrook was trying to, like, like cheer up LeBron AD and they had wanted no parts of that. They were checked out. I'm like, I doubt either of those two went, you know what? Yeah, we got this. Don't make a move, especially historically, LeBron James. Yeah. Who's known for this? It was all of a sudden like, oh no, by all means, like you know, let's stand pat. <laughs> we got what we have to win a championship. I I didn't believe him to begin with, right? Yeah. Um, so when the you know contrast report came out, basically saying that what he said was a little bull, it didn't surprise me. Remember, this is the same guy, Rob Palenka, who uh, we have this elaborate story about how Kobe um, gained a whole lot of confidence and inspiration from a personal conversation he had with Heath Ledger after the Dark Knight, despite the fact that Heath Ledger passed away, um, like well before that um and how he's motivation from that i forgot about that i forgot about that too yeah straight up like completely fabricated um and how he basically like 
have this whole warm up speech that never happened. Mm-hmm. And this was told, like this was out there. And then he, like, yeah, I lied. Like, oh, he basically, I lost track of time. Like, he lied. <laughs> and so, like, when you did that, when you're when you're someone capable of that, when you can't make a change, many of your execs because of your history, not just as an agent, but being more on the, you know, the swarmy side of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like that's why I'm not as hard as it's for me to believe that LeBron will ever go to Phoenix, and I would lose my mind if he did, because being mm-hmm. in Arizona right now, I would just, I wouldn't know what to do. Um, yeah. Well, but, you have like, time. You have, like, I'll I'll put the over under in <laughs> yeah, nine months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, thank you. But, like, at the same time, given how just horrible this front office is, at this point, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, we're ninth right now. We got losing the Warriors in the game, and mind you, Clay went off. I was so glad to see Clay Thompson mm, yeah. look like yeah. old Clay again. If we were going to lose to a team like the Warriors, fine. I'm glad, like, the way we lost. But we have no time for that at 26 and 31. Actually, we. The Lakers have no time for that at 26 and 31 to be like, oh, I like the way we're losing. Like, maybe, you know, November, that was nice. But in January, February, you know, going into March, All-Star break coming up, like, that's, that's not what you want to hear. So, I, yeah, I can see him going somewhere. I just, maybe not immediately next year. I think they got one more crack to make things right. One more offseason, maybe you let go of Palenka. I think there's there's one more domino to fall before Bronny comes in and then LeBron starts making thoughts. Yeah. Like oh my goodness, the Bronny stuff. I can't deal with this. It's the Bronny that. stuff. Like he might not be good. Like we're not there yet. We're like he might not be good. He's mm-hmm. might not be he like the idea that he's Lamelo and not Leangelo, that people are just certain of this is just so funny to me. It's like, yeah. can he grow up a little bit more? Can we get like to mm-hmm. see any like can we just wait a couple more years before we fan it like what it's well, weird to me that whole thing yeah. is very strange to me and it's well, a lot of pressure yeah. on that kid to live up to those insane expectations where his dad's like i'm gonna keep playing until my son plays in an nba game with me and it's like i i get speak something into existence that's a nice yeah. thing it's a great moment but man if you're that kid yeah. I, I don't know that's just a, a lot a lot of pressure yeah um that's i don't know but the lakers thing too i was gonna mm-hmm. say about with LeBron and like I, I saw AD said he was like it, it was a relief that they just the trade deadlines behind them. Do you know why it's a relief, Corbin? Why? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah, yeah, no. Oh, Do you know why it's a relief? A joke waiting. No. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. Here's the thing: there is there was a the comedic timing. I was like giving a little bit of a build up before I. So here's what it is. Um, they can mentally check out now. Like they're on vacation from February 13th until October, whenever. When AD needs his time away, they're not playing for anything. The trade deadline's passed. They know everyone's staying put. They know they don't have to gear up because if the if they had made a John Wall type flip and they gave up that first round pick and they were able to get Eric Gordon, like that was the deal probably is if they were able to give up that last pick, that 2027 one, and then get Eric Gordon and John Wall. And that for Russell Westbrook and pieces, whatever it had to be, like I think it was Taylor Horton Tucker is the one I saw a first round pick, and that for John Wall and Eric Gordon, I don't like it doesn't fix everything, but I think that would have fixed a lot for them. And speaking of John Wall, who has just gone under the radar, not playing just all year, and he's good with it, and we're just at that point now in the NBA where you can just be like, I'm out, like I I'm just not playing basketball until they're ready to trade me. Um, and we moved on. So shout out to John Wall for getting through this unscathed, and people are just like, it's fine. Um, but I think that would have been a good thing. But I really do believe that they're checked out now, and that you can now just be like, we're not playing for anything. We can't win a title. 
We don't have to deal with the people are like, oh, is Russell Westbrook getting moved? Is uh, who's getting moved? What can we do? Because I'm sure they were tired of it. They were tired of like playing like crap and just having to answer this stuff that they don't have to answer anymore. Because I think around the league and in that locker room, because LeBron was very forthcoming about it. He's like, we're not on that level. Like we got mm-hmm. stomped by the Bucks. We don't have the players. And I think AD and LeBron, who are just basketball savants, they have been at the peak, of, like the peak of the peak in the NBA. They know what it takes. They won. Like AD was the best player in the bubble. He won. Like he knows. And you do that, it's over. Like he, they, that's the other great thing about AD and LeBron is they won. They are not phased. They are just like, we proved what we needed to prove a couple years ago. We won our title. Whatever else happens after this, it's not on us. Like if that means Anthony Davis has to be an Atlanta Hawk, that's Anthony Davis's prerogative. That's our, pro- like if that's what yeah. he wants, that's okay with me. Anthony Davis and Trey Young pick and rolls until the end of time. Absolutely. Does DeAndre Hunter mean, need to be in that purple and gold? Absolutely. <laughs> that is what we need. But could he be your Lamar Odom? He could be your Lamar Odom. Who says no? <laughs> what I am saying ultimately here is that the Lakers now can check out. I really do believe that they felt relief that they are playing for nothing and they are playing exhibition basketball games while getting paid quite well the rest of the way. It's a beautiful thing. Um. <laughs> 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 I <laughs> listen. I I disagree. Okay, I disagree. <laughs> right. I'm just gonna say that. Um, what can I say? Um, I don't think so. I think that the relief is that they're not looking over their shoulder anymore. Taylor Tucker isn't you know shooting down the pipes because he thinks he's in any other trade room because you know these guys read too. Like they know that hey, mm-hmm. there's only three people who can make things work. That's that's a very compelling and and and, and semi swaying argument there, Chase. Had me mm-hmm. losing it for a second, but <laughs> no, I think I think that you got guys who now are more. I, I guess the word's relief. I mean, you had Russ mm-hmm. probably was already playing out of sorts, and then the trade stuff ramped up the booing and stuff. Kind of got to him. Like, oh snap! Like this isn't working. Although he says one thing. I mean, his play showed an entirely different story, right? And look, AD who you said it and I hate to say this, but he's been fantastic in the bubble and has been like very like sub fantastic in the year since. Like he's not been at his level. I mean, he's taken three shots in the last three, fourth quarters. Um, Like he's not Mm -hmm. been the sidekick that LeBron James has really needed. Uh, And I just have not been impressed by him lately. And so like, yeah. And he started the year off saying, Oh, I don't think they're going to prove I want a championship. Like dude, LeBron's in year 18 or 19. Now LeBron's won five of these mugs. Like you are year nine, maybe 10. Nine, and you've won one, and I was little LeBron. Like you don't have anything to prove, but you also don't say that. You know what I mean? Like that's not the mindset, the chip you carry when you are going to be looked at to carry a team. If the team look at you, and you're like, oh, I already did what I had to do. That you saw me in 2020 back in the bubble. Like that's not helping. You know, in 2022 in a game. I think against, you're making you know, my point, LeBron. Corbin. I think you're joining me. I think this sounds like <laughs> you're I, joining I'm me. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. But I, feel like I am. But like with LeBron playing at the level he has been playing at, still, despite mm-hmm. all it, I just feel like it should have been more opportunistic and at the same time you can't absolve lebron entirely of guilt because he is the one who made the major pitch for russell westbrook in the the beginning despite like all evidence contrary he's a better all-star draft than he is like an actual like gm you know shadow gm in the nba but with that being said it's like the fact i can't wait till lebron the owner 
the I, LeBron, the NBA owner, is going to be amazing. People thought Michael know. was bad early on. Yeah, People thought just, Michael oh, was bad. Man. It's going to be nuts. I can't you saw what Charlotte did. Right <laughs> you saw oh what Charlotte did between 20, what, 2015 and 2019. Oh. All those win now moves, you know? Oh, That's my goodness. Like, yes. Which team will it be? Uh, Indiana. Something I might say, Fe- you know what? Oh, my God. This, this goes back to Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix. This goes back to Phoenix because the Sarver stuff like that. Is that just going to be resolved? Is that not going to be something he's forced out? And like yeah. James Jones works for his best friend and oh, LeBron. Yeah. That would be interesting. That, that would be that. interesting. He oh, transitions. Is, yeah, he's I good. Mean, he's he's good. He's mm-hmm. early on and he's got plenty of time. Like he's already yeah. proven himself. So yeah. he's. He's not going anywhere. In with it. Yeah, you, you can't touch him with that organization. It's like no, nope. nah, only one draft pick up too. It's it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, it also works out when you just have. <laughs> well, the other thing about James Jones too that works out really well for them is that like they just are healthy all the time. Like the Suns just play the yeah. same eight guys every yeah. single night and for whatever reason. Works, it's, it just yes. fits so well. Yeah. So when people are like, we want to be the Suns, it's like, oh, you want eight guys who all know their roles explicitly well and then have one superstar all-star and then one amazing veteran, like maybe the top three all-time poker. Yeah, we would all want that. But this is also insane, like that they got this all together and that they're as healthy as they are. Like they are a healthy, well-oiled machine. Over the past two years. Yeah. The training staff for Phoenix, though, has been well known to be, you know, restorative for players throughout the career. Um, And it's not the same staff as it was, you know, when Shaq came to Phoenix, but Hill and others. But they all had their healthy seasons. And now Chris Paul's joining that. Like, that's great. And one more thing I want to say about Bronny, I feel like I agree with both of you. Like, no one's saying that Bronny's going to be this big star. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, no, everyone's saying that. I don't think so. (laughs) My fault. That's the word I mean to say. But like, I also don't think that he's going to be that big of an impediment to. LeBron James being in the NBA. Like LeBron's game is going to be in the NBA. Some team is going to take a swing on him, whether he is as a second round pick, as an undrafted rookie. Like mm-hmm. someone's going to pick him up. Mm-hmm. And then, granted, that probably makes LeBron James like life easier. I could imagine him going, let's say he just isn't, I haven't really watched enough of him. I've not been like blown away, but he's still super young. And mm-hmm. I'm not even going to scout college players, much less like, oh, you know, you're, you're 16. What are you going to be? That's not me. But like, <laughs> is he like 14, 15? I don't know if he's it 16 says yet. Eligible for class of 2024, the NBA draft of class of 2024. Because I oh, if he reclassifies. Is that how it works? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really just guessing on his age. Mm. Like, I'm not. But I mean, even if he was one of, let's say, one of Jordan's sons. Remember that 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 thing? He's 17 now. Yeah, he's 17. When Eric mm. Gordon outscored both what? both of Michael Jordan's sons and Michael Jordan's mm-hmm. watching Like, even if he's more on that level, which I would hate just for the kid's sake, mm-hmm. but, like, he's not going to have a hard time getting the NBA, whether it's only for the year that LeBron's in the NBA. Like, he won't have a hard time getting into the NBA, I don't think. Yeah, I think somebody's going to make the swing just because the cachet that LeBron James carries. That's all. But okay. I-, I do think it's unfortunate that you're right. So much expectations are on this guy who, like, I just – I don't know. I don't know. Right. I just think it's unfair to anybody. Like, LeBron James had the same heavy ones. Like, Granted, all the credit to him for, like, in a certain way, like, surpassing those expectations and, and being who he has been. But that's a lot to put on anyone's shoulders. And I, I just – I feel for young guys like that because the psyche yeah. is very, you know, easily damaged in that way. And even though I'm sure he comes from a great background in terms of knowing how to respond, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. Uh, Lauren, give me your favorite trade from the trade deadline. What was it? It – for me, it's not close. It's the Sabonis Halliburton swap. There is okay. so much going on there. And I it was the trade. You always, as an NBA fan, from a fan mm. perspective, you always want the trade that has your jaw on the floor, your mind just blown. And for me, it was that one. Why so what 
stood out to you? Like, why was your mind blown from that particular trade? Because I don't know. There's a disconnect. It's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. friend of the pod, Mark Schindler, was pretty optimistic mm-hmm. on it from Sacramento's perspective. Um, it, it's really fascinating to hear the different perspectives from around the league. I don't think there's a unanimous opinion yeah. on this like even the no dunks guys they were back and forth on it like i was just listening to different perspectives on it and it was just interesting to me because it seems like a lot of them where it's like everybody said the exact same thing about nets sixers trade like oh it's a win-win for both teams like mm-hmm. it's a it's not a win for brooklyn this year but it's a win for them in the long term and then the sixers got their guy like that yep. it's really uh, what else can you really say we'll, right. we'll see how it like corbin has questions about the fit on the court with uh with harden and Embiid, but like Ultimately, they took a big swing. It's worth it. Take a big swing. Daryl got his guy. Whatever. We'll see what happens. But right. like with Halliburton and um, and Sabonis, people are all over the place, and we're killing them for picking Fox over Halliburton. And I'm like, I think Fox still has more upside than Halliburton. I think we've seen Fox at his best, and I still would probably roll with that. But also, the whole you cannot discount the Sabonis Fox yeah. of like two top twenty guys potentially in this league. That will win a lot of games. And you have, there's something to just being a competent basketball team again and just being like, hey, Harrison Barnes, Sabonis, and De'Aaron Fox, that's a really good locker room. That's a, that's a yeah. team that, like, I, I don't hate that. I, and you still have Davion Mitchell. So we'll see what he can be. Um, now that fit makes a little bit more sense. But it, Halliburton was not going to change the Kings' future. He was not going to be a top 10 player in this league. I don't think he has all, like, first team, second team, all NBA potential. Um, so if that's the case, it's not like you're giving up just young Damian Lillard or something, young mm-hmm. Steph Curry, young Clay Thompson, even like you're giving up a good player who I think will be a multi-time all-star, but I don't think he's like, he's going to be just, he's not even Jason Tatum. Like, I don't, I don't know. He's just not, he's not one of those guys that I would be losing sleep over trading. And I still like Tyrese Halliburton a lot. And I love watching him play basketball, right. but Sabonis makes them better. And people who are discounting like them going for the 10 seed, I'm like, it's Sacramento. That's where I landed on it. It's like, make the playoffs be competent for a couple of years just figure it out like just give those fans those poor fans those blogs are all great they deserve it greg wissinger has been going through hell for (laughs) 20 years just give them something to be happy about and i don't know that's kind of where i'm at is that where you're at or are you more of like i don't like it for the kings and i think the pacers got away with robbery so i go back and forth on Mm -hmm. like I think you can make an argument that each team like when one in this aspect lost in this fact aspect for both teams, because I am super high on Halliburton because I think it is so rare to find guys that get drafted into one of the most morbid, depressing situations, but embrace it and welcome the responsibility of turning things around. And he was one of those guys. And so Mm. in that aspect, the potential was there. The ceiling was there. The locker room, the leadership was, it was all there. So like seeing them move on from that was mind boggling at the same time. Like you said, we saw what it, what they looked like with Tyrese, with De'Aaron, even with Davion in in there, like that wasn't changing anything. So Mm. you have to mix it up. You got to try something new when granted it's only been, you know, February in this first season of Davion Tyrese and, and De'Aaron, but it was clear it wasn't changing. And so in that regard, I can respect them really shaking it up. And I'm a big Sabonis fan. I said that when Indiana was making all these guys available, like if you can get your hands on Sabonis, Sabonis is the type of guy that you can rebuild with. Like he's the type of guy you want in a rebuild. And so 
when Sacramento, what I also keep coming back to is like, okay, props to them for shaking it up because the current formula wasn't working. At the same time, Halliburton, like like I said, liked being there and wasn't going anywhere. Sabonis is a free agent in three in three years. It, like he's un- unrestricted. So like if the fit and granted, I know it's still early on and I like how uh, Harrison and Sabonis have already started to play off of each other. Mm-hmm. Darren Fox seems more engaged and excited and that's great, but that can falter very easily in Sacramento. And so if the fit isn't there, like, just a couple of weeks ago, De'Aaron Fox was already, it already felt like he was half out the door. And so if you're looking back in three seasons and I respect them for trying to switch it up, but Sabonis is like, I'm out of here because nothing again, three seasons of play in, eh, it's just not really happening. Like there's a lot of risk that they just took on in my eyes. And so I like it. It's again to, I need to see a bigger sample size of the Fox uh, Sabonis fit because Sabonis has always had the offense run through him and he's a great passer, but De'Aaron Fox hasn't been the best outside shooter, uh, floor spacer, off ball type guy. And so I want to see if he can kind of develop that aspect of his game. Cause I don't think, I don't think it's out of the question. He just hasn't quite done it yet. And mm-hmm. so I want to give him that opportunity to see if he can become that kind of guy, because in that regard, I mean, I don't hate, I don't hate the move. It's just still so mind boggling that they moved off of the one guy that everyone thought was untouchable, but you just at the end of the day, you got to shake things up. And from the Pacers side of it all, the fact that they were able to turn Sabonis, who felt again like he was already half out the door, like things were just kind of crumbling in Indiana. The fact that you can turn that into someone like Tyrese Halliburton is a big deal. And overall, I think at the deadline, what they did, like they got exactly what they needed. They got young guys, they got draft assets, and they've they're moving on into this new era. So it's weird saying it's a win-win for both sides because I could talk myself in circles on both and both team and both situations all day long. Corbin, what do you think? Man, I mean, outside of saying many of the things that Corbin already said, I feel like it's a, uh, it, it blew my mind when I first heard it for many of the same reasons. Like Halliburton of all people, I thought if you're going to choose between Fox and Halliburton, like you trade Fox, had it down the year, like been a little longer Halliburton being younger, being able to being more, um, a fit to play on or off ball. Like it just didn't make any sense to me on like on the onset. Um, but then like, I think all it took was like a little look at, at NBA Twitter, which I love, but also like I had to back away from, but okay, like, let me get my priorities in check. Like Halliburton is not Michael Jordan. And at the same time, like the Montes bonus is not like the worst player to ever touch the NBA for. Like there is a middle ground. Back to back all-star. Thank yep. you. Uh, yes, he is. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be back to back all-star, but I definitely think he should have been also at least once. And either mm-hmm. way, I definitely don't think that he is um, like just nothing. You know what I mean? So in terms of valuing the two as a players, I would have much rather stuck around and kept Halliburton, if only because like Lawrence said, he wanted to be there. You know, he is the other guy who you have in a team control for a number of years. And yes, I don't have as, I don't have as low of a ceiling as you chase. I definitely think he can get all NBA team, maybe second or third, but I definitely think the potential is there. I mean, he's what year two, you know what I mean? Like the guy is, like literally, he's improved. So you can see him being one of the six best guards in the league at some point. Even if it's number six, I could. I mean, okay. I just think that the ceiling isn't. Uh, but here's the word: maybe I don't. Maybe I don't say I, I, I can see it as much as I like can't see it as like an impossibility. Like yeah. in year two, you know what I mean? Like we don't know, and he's proved a lot already that people didn't already see when he was drafted. So like, who's to say what he is in year four? You know, even if that is just a really good like elite 
secondary like ball handler slash shooter. Like that's still pretty solid. And yeah, who knows how the guard lands can work out? I definitely think there's potential for him to reach that. I okay. I don't know. So the fact that he kind of blew up the way that he did already, the fact that we've been able to have a conversation between him and Fox when he was drafted, like, okay, that's nice, but like he'll be very confident to Fox. And now it's like, wow, like trade Fox, keep him. You know what I mean? Like the fact that he's been a conversation here too, it's pretty cool. Or yeah, yeah you too. But like with that being said, um DeMontis' bonus in Sacramento, I think, is something that, like, it's a sign for Sacramento that they're doing something they haven't done before, which is, yeah, you could say they're trying to sell all to win and whatever the case may be, but how many times have they made, like, a move in this case of their young guys that they had, you know, trade value for? I'm sure others have already said this as well. Um, oh, let's trade, you know, Fox in this prime, or let's trade Player X or whatever the case may be, and they don't, and they don't, and they stand pat, and the player's potential just kind of caps out, and it's okay, now we got to fire sale on all these, like, B-plus players. Like, give us your stars. And it's like, that's not going to franchise hub. Like, they see this right now. If you can get this player at the current level he's at, trading mm. that potential may be that, but isn't that right now because they're trying to make the playoffs this year, potentially, then we do that trade. You know, we're getting the immediate gratification and the immediate returns of a player we know is going to be a good player that can not only um, add con- contribute to us on the court in terms of his own play, but also we've seen the last two games, like, inspire a level of playmaking among our other players that, hasn't been there for most of the season. So the culture in a player like Sabonis is helping to change in Sacramento. Small sample size theater, I get it, two games. But Well, he's plus 16. I think he's plus 16 per 100 possessions in wow. Sacramento thus far. Um, yeah. So he's playing like, yeah, I mean, he's playing, he's playing really more well. center too, which is cool. But mm-hmm. I also think this is something I was going to throw out because Marvin Bagley got moved to Detroit. And that was like, he's been on the trade block for like two years. And <laughs> Another guy. he finally got moved. But the thing is with him, if they had nailed or even gotten anywhere close with Bagley, like if he even looked like he still could be a star, like that's gone. Like he doesn't look like a star anymore. He looks like, all right, let's just see if he could be a third or fourth big on a good team. Like that's just where we're at with him. He's he's flyer status. He's in the Josh Jackson zone, who's also in Detroit, where it's like, well, uh, we thought this was going to be a top five great player. And then it didn't work out and it got ugly quickly. Um, and Jackson had to rebuild his career like he was in the G League for a while and had to like fight back um, to get back in. But um, people were sure it's like I, I like Josh Jackson coming out of Kansas, but He's all that to be now. said. Yeah. yeah, but all the all that to be said is I just I, like if they had hit on that and you were able to flip Bagley for Sabonis because Bagley showed enough and then you're going with Fox Halliburton and Sabonis and Harrison Barnes. That's a really, really interesting team. But they they just, that's something that we missed a lot is that like they're in a bad, they were in kind of a desperate spot because they took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic and Trey Young. That is something that happened because we're looking at the Sacramento Kings completely differently if they had drafted either the two and people are like, oh, well, it's fit and we don't know. I am pretty certain that Trey Young and Luka Doncic would have been a star wherever they got drafted. I think what we've seen thus far, they trump the situation that they're in. I think some players like we're going to be awesome no matter where they're drafted. Some it matters like Marvin Bagley. It mattered. Kawhi Leonard. It mattered. Paul George. It mattered. I don't think Trey and Luca were the type of players that would have um, folded or really struggled and not become instant all-star first team, all NBA potential type guys um, in Sacramento. I think that still would have been the case. So, Sacramento, they did what they had to do. They are a better team today than they were yesterday, which is something they wanted to do. And that's a buyer. And I also just like the theme of this trade deadline to me was that like more teams were buying and it made the trade deadline more fun because the play in 
made more teams want to make playoffs. Like that's what we should want. We should want a competitive balance. We should want more teams going after it and being like, you know, let's just see what happens. Let's make the playoffs. We haven't done it in a while. Let's give our fans something who spend a lot of money and a lot of their time emotionally investing and investing just with their money that they make every week. Like let's give them something. And I think Sabonis and Fox and that group is just, it's giving them something. And I'm just glad that we look around the league and that there were a lot of teams who really tried like Montrezl Harrell getting traded to the Charlotte Hornets because they were like, yeah, we're not going to win the title, but like we don't have a center. Like it's plumly and nothing. And we've got to figure this out. So they traded for a center and he's a good fit and they're going to be fun. Like Harrell and LaMelo pick and rolls in the playoffs will be fun. They Mm -hmm. can't win a title but they can give their fans something and they can make this team better. And they didn't just stand pat because we can't win a title, which is what I think a lot of teams had done it previously. Um, I want to end on this though, because my trade deadline winner was the bucks. Um, I can't escape what Ty Windish um, of the Eurostep podcast. He was on a, a couple weeks ago and the bucks biggest reason that people talk about them is because Brooks been out. The back surgery for Brooke has really hurt this team. Is like Brooke Lopez being out for the majority of this year has hurt the Bucks. But when Brooke is there and when those three guys are healthy, they're a machine. And you look at their on off numbers, you look at what they are this season still. The fact that Brooklyn sold off Harden is huge. Like the fact that he is no longer an option. They don't have to worry about the big three because I just, mm-hmm. I think that knocks them out. So, the East is just right there for them. Like they're like, Oh, we're not scared of James Harden in this group. We're going to put drew holiday on James Harden. We're going to put Chris Middleton and we're going to, we'll, we'll take our chances. Giannis versus Embiid in this group. And then they brought in Serge Ibaka who fills that gigantic need that they did not have with Gasol. And then there's going to be a point where they can split Gasol, Bobby Portis and Serge Ibaka at the five for the remainder of the playoffs and things like that. And I'm like, Man, I think the Bucks locked up the East. Like, I think that is something that with the with the the net splintering like that, I just I came out of it and I'm like, oh, the net the the Bucks are going back to back and maybe not winning the title. I still pick them to win the title and go back to back. But like, I'm pretty confident the Nets or the the Bucks rather are in good shape to to win the East once again. What do you what do you think, Warren? I think the Bucks are in a good spot, and I know that they've had. I mean, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, I know a lot of people are like, "Well, the Bucks are having a rocky year. They have these. They're having these challenges." But for and I know Miami's having a great year, and Chicago is kind of putting it together. But for me, the Bucks are still the favorite. They have the continuity. They have the roster. Like you mentioned, bringing in Ibaka, you don't need Ibaka. Like when when the Clippers signed Ibaka, the expectation that they were setting for him was, you know this but what mm. the bucks are going to need from him is not even close to the same thing and so i like the depth that they have i liked them i mean i like divincenzo but turning that into a more win now repeat ready situation i think is good for them and so i have a lot of confidence in milwaukee i think brooklyn like you said maybe it might take until next year for them to put it all together uh and chicago also like chicago but the injuries are there and new group versus Milwaukee, the continuity, the top heavy talent. I just really like the position that they're in. And so for me, yeah, I still have a lot of confidence in Milwaukee and they're still my pick. Okay. I like it. Um, But we'll see what ultimately happens here. Um, Lauren, who is your biggest loser? And we'll end, we'll end on this note. Who do you think lost the trade deadline? Who, who frustrated you the most? I feel like it's the Mavs for you. You know, and I don't want to just, it, for me, it is the Mavs, but I just, I don't want to, you know, do that. Maybe I'll try to pick another one here. Let's see. Let me look around. 
the biggest loser. Is it bad that I say the Utah Jazz? Oh, I love that you said this. Yes. I think, and I'm a big believer that them, like uh, Joe Ingles, like I think that there's a, there's a realistic chance they get him back and like, you know, nothing. It's just a wash in a year, maybe. But the fact that they didn't make, you know, any crazy moves or anything, I know that's easier said than done, but I'm watching Utah from the outside waiting for that to implode. I think that it's a disaster waiting to happen. And it's only a matter of time, but that's just my personal opinion, current read on the situation. So the fact that they didn't do anything to really try and, you know, switch it up. That's I, I, I worry for, for jazz fans. They did it despite your man, Ben McMahon. They were like, <sighs> you think there's disarray? We're fine. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about with this organizational structure. It's everything's great. Danny Ainge has got mm-hmm. this under control. I wonder how much that played a role in them not doing anything is that they're still figuring out even yeah. who to call. Like who are teams calling? Are they calling Zanuck? Or are they calling uh, Danny, Danny Ainge? Good like, question. It's a good question. I don't know. You calling Dwayne Wade? They're not calling Dwayne They got the wrong number. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go. Corbin, who was your, who was your trade deadline loser? Who was your biggest loser? Uh, I, I kind of feel like it's Dallas. I'm sorry, but at the same time, um, that is a weird one. I, yeah. Dallas is a loser to me. I feel like so many teams made moves that are like, to be determined, you know, That's fair. Yeah. that I haven't really like really set my head around New Orleans maybe. And I don't mean to be mean to say that because actually I like I what they what did. This is. I was about to say, yeah. I don't mean to say it's kind of like what New Orleans did. I don't have a problem with CJ McCollum at all. I have a problem with, I think, the process that a GM under desperation of keeping his job went to do. We've seen the story before many a times. Um, in this case, though, I'm going to use this to flip and go to Portland. I'm going to say Portland's base loser. And the reason okay. why is because I think that, well, real quick, before I even go into that, after this Florida moves that Portland did, like, what do each of you think is the, the main goal now for Portland? Like, what do you think, like, like from what you guys see, and from what you both see, rather, what do you think is like now the the new chart of direction uh, for the Trailblazers? You go first, Lauren. That I mean, it's a good question because at the surface, at first glance, it's like, oh, they're trying to put themselves in a position to be financially flexible and bring in this guy. But what is your? Re- I don't. For me, I don't see a realistic path for them to bring in that guy. You're not kind of the free agent destination. Are you going to do a sign and trade? I mean, Anthony, like he's up for extension, but he looks like the untouchable there as of right now. So like, what are you realistic? What is the path? And personally, I don't see a path. So I think they're going to find themselves in a new Orleans type situation where you have all this money and no one to give it to. Um, you know what I can't flip from them that I, I was listening to the Haberstro with uh Habistro podcast with Amin. Did y'all hear mm-hmm. what they were saying about the trailblazers? I haven't okay. heard it. No. So Amin's Same. take was that he thinks that Jody Allen's going to sell the team and that this was a move for them to strip the parts and they're stripping it all down to just Damian Lillard and like forcing Damian Lillard to request a trade by just getting rid of everyone and just being like putting him in a position where it's like, there's nothing left. You have to request a trade, like putting him in a position where he has to do it. So then when he finally does it, that's it. And then they can sell because it's just a blank slate. And wow, like this is the moves that someone there, they posited Makes that this sense. was the starter, the starting point of a full teardown and getting ready for a sell, um, which would be wild and potentially bringing a team back to Seattle. Uh, could we see Portland move up just a little bit to Seattle? Wow. Um, yeah, I don't wow. know. That's the, that I hadn't considered that, but when you think about a teardown and like, what she's been doing in the state of that organization, which is a mess. 
like the stories on what like we moved on from Phoenix, but it's like Phoenix and Portland ownership groups right now and just everything that's gone on and both of them have just been a dumpster fire. So yep. um, I don't know. It would not surprise me, right? Like if she doesn't want to do it and she ha- owns the Seahawks, Seahawks are in Seattle. She's not a Portland person. She's a Seattle person. And I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if that like, I don't know. That, that's so fascinating. It's really messed up the dame to just be like hey we're tearing down everything and it uh you're gonna be will smith and fresh prince here and (laughs) you don't have another choice but to ask for a trade because you can't win and there's nothing left for you to do yeah but i don't know the pelicans though i thought they did great i think Mm -hmm. you not giving up brandon ingram for cj mccollum i think is like a huge win because people are like worried about some of the others i'm like was that ever I, a question, though, given his contract? What I'm saying is, like, yeah. CJ McCollum's a great player. So I'm saying, like, if you get a healthy Zion, a healthy CJ, and a healthy oh. Brandon Ingram, like, those three together, that's a really good basketball team. That's a really interesting, like, the defense, we'll see. But, like, you want to keep Zion healthy or happy? Like, you give him two guys who can really, really carry the load offensively. And I think in the half court especially, I think Ingram and McCollum – will be really nice late in games. And I think just, I think the fit was on when he, whenever it is, he comes back. Like, I don't know. I think that's actually pretty awesome for them and mm-hmm. could be a lot of fun. I mean, it's all theoretical because uh, mm-hmm. I'm not sure as Zion Williamson plays basketball ever again this at this year. point, but no, he's going to play basketball again. Okay, it's not I'll like that. No, <laughs> he's going to play basketball, but no, it seems bad. It just seems really mm-hmm. bad. Whatever is going no. on here is, I don't know. It's all so under wraps that it's hard to speculate, but the mm-hmm. fact that we just I don't think we see him this year. I think he's just gone. I don't think I don't we think see so him too. this year. Did you hear what CJ said too? Like when he was introduced mm-hmm. when he was like he was saying that he was excited, of course, to play with Brandon and he was said if you mentioned Zion, he's like, Yeah, actually, mm-hmm. you know, Zion's in Portland right now. And I was like, Wow, it's crazy that we know more mm-hmm. about where Zion is from your new teammate than we do from like he's rehabbing in Portland. Like, mm-hmm. okay. It seems like just as a matter of fact, so like, I feel like there's some level of like, at least he knows, which, yeah. okay, great. And, but yep. you're right. Like there's a lot of question. And that's why I, I immediately thought loser for them. But that, now I'm like, I like CJ. I like that fit. Defensively, there's a lot of stuff there, but McCullum is kind of what they needed. They haven't had a proper guard in the whole Zion era since he's been drafted. Like look at who they've had at point guard, shooting guard over the last, two years, you know, up to now, right. uh, especially after they trade Drew Holiday, you know. Um, but Portland, I, that's a very interesting point. I hadn't even considered that. That might be the case. And if so, that makes it even more so to me because you make this move for CJ McCollum. You get Josh Hart, who I like, but probably mm-hmm. going to be the long term. Um, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a couple pieces. Then you take those pieces you took and you flip them for basically less in another <laughs> return, you know. And then you trade Norman Powell and Robert Covington for peanuts already. So it's like you are offsetting all of your pieces. Like you're playing 2K. I've done this a lot. Maybe it's just me uh, front <laughs> office mismanagement. But you have all these bloated contracts and you're like giving them away for pennies on the dollar. Not because you're really trying to improve because you want to tank, but you just want to get off this long-term salary. And like that's what it feels like they're doing. But at the same time, you said it, you still have Dame on the roster. Now, is Joe Cronin like just bumbling his way through, uh, oh, we're just trying to clear the slate to bring in uh, new players to build around Dame? Because that's the – the, the party line right now among him and among Chauncey Bills are trying to rebuild. How? Because you have all this money. Exactly. Great. That'll be awesome for retaining Anthony Simons. Like congratulations on that. But then like who, what free agent is going to just choose the, 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 the greener pastures of Jody Allen's blazers. I, I don't see it. You know, also what free agents out there right now, this year is going to be a big difference maker. And then I mean, Zach Levine, I guess is the wild card. I guess Zach Levine would be their you target. Think he's in Chicago though. 
Like, I mean, I, I don't no, think so at this point. No, but... I, no, I don't think he does at all. Like, there's zero I chance. So either. I also He's think it's kind of weird, though. Who... Yeah, they didn't I'm extend sorry. him though yet. They've had time. They well, are I... playing the long game with him. It's always a dangerous game to go to this point with Zach Levine and somebody like Zach Levine. Because, like, do I think it would be like I would put if it was just simply Blazers versus Chicago? Then I would say yeah, probably Chicago. But if you're saying the field for Zach Levine this summer versus Chicago, I would take the field. Well, I mean, what, is the, what would that be like? Orlando, San Antonio. Like, you look at the guys who have to be. I don't think they're this, out. And they're uh, way worse than Chicago. It's like five teams now. Well, With what I'm saying is that, I mean, Atlanta could get involved. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta oh. got involved. It's going to happen. Atlanta's going to have to do something. They do. They do. I think, like, I think you could even throw New York in there. Like, I yeah. think if there, if somebody comes available where it's like there are questions, there's even this a little bit of doubt that there's a chance that they could be pried away. Mm-hmm. If you want to clear money, you can do it. And I always kind of come back to that. It's it's not easy, but right now I think with Zach, he hope he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. So, so and that's I mean there are a lot of situations where I'm like okay odds are they stay with their team, but there's nothing they have nothing to lose by holding mm-hmm. out and leveraging these situations. So for me, that's kind of what it comes back down to. Okay. That's interesting. I guess I'm more of the side that look. He wanted. He said he wanted to win. You know, the Bulls he's, he's made winning. moves yep. and they're winning. He's successful. The team is successful. Why would you leave that? Like that's just my point. If it's about that's money, what I think the Bulls can pay you more. Like, and why would you? Leave? They have his that's, bird right, so they can't pay him more. Exactly. So why would you? Why would you go? But I get what you're saying. Mind you, he just did have another uh, knee issue um, yep. recently. Uh, the Bulls said that he's at like a specialist right out. now, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And tweets have come out that there's a level of concern among the Bulls about his knee. So we've seen, you know, stuff like this happen where it's like, oh, we don't want to send you this contract because, you know, we don't know how this knee's going to react to 27, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And the player, you know, bunk you, I'm going to Portland because mm-hmm. I can get, you know, that's very possible. I'm mean, if, and I'm not, not hope that doesn't happen, but just saying that that's in the wrong possibility. We've seen that. Yeah. Exactly. I'm just saying that so far from where we're at, I don't. But it, it, even if, let's say that that goes to pass and, Let's say Zach Levine doesn't choose Portland. Let's say he likes San Antonio and playing under Pop or whatever, right? Following tomorrow. Fine. Look, just make it up a story. At that right. point, you know, you have Bradley Beal, who is probably sitting out the rest of the year. Who knows what's going to happen there? Ben Simmons already been traded. Same for James Harden. So those two guys are gone for at least the next year. Um, maybe there's some other guy that pops up that you can make a trade for. But then again, the next question is, who are you trading? Because you, you, you're going to trade one guy. With, I mean, you're going to sign Anthony Simons, then trade him away when he's like your one young, proven piece at 22 that you mm-hmm. potentially build around, around a 31-year-old dame and whoever you trade for, who you can't trade for because you have no one else to trade for. <laughs> like, like it doesn't make sense to me how they can make avenues there to pull a rabbit out of their hat and improve their team in such a, a, a drastic, um, demonstrative way. I, I just don't see it. And so with that being said, I think they're losing because the plan, if they said, hey, we're just trying to rebuild and just put that out there, then they met their goal. There's nothing to complain about. But they didn't say that. They said we're trying to rebuild and and, and field a team around, around Dave. Well, right now, we don't see the means uh, or the avenue or yep. the pieces in place to make that happen. And so you have not understood the assignment, and that's why they go. That's fair. I, I agree. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, well, we'll end it there, guys. Uh, Lauren, what can the good folks check out from you on the Gun Podcast with your brother? You got uh, Mavs Moneyball. Like, what uh, what can the good folks look out for uh, this week? Yeah. So first, thanks thanks again for having me back. I always love talking with you guys on Sundays. Um, but uh, yeah, I you can follow me on Twitter at the Lauren Gun with two N's. Any Mavs Moneyball game coverage, um, trade pieces, which I guess obviously are 
we're going to have to wait for those for a little while, but anything Maz related will come out there and all of our podcasts, the podcast that I do with my brother, the gunshot uh, will come through my Twitter. Uh, so yeah, come chat with me there. Any NBA fan, any team, whatever. I'm always open to chat with anyone. So yeah, come talk. There you go. There you go. Corbin, what about yourself? Um, you know, find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Um, not quite as exciting, but you know, uh, <laughs> definitely Ramble Ramble podcast. Um, have another one that's just talking trades with a with good friend and and, and a, a scout as well. So just doing that. Um, and I'm very much the same. I, maybe a little more on the joking side. Definitely love my corny memes. Definitely love some corny jokes. And I I, I sell out like I'm a huge I'm a huge Russell Westbrook fan. But like <laughs> on the real, like I I am also I can be serious. So find me there. And yeah, same same invitation. The only difference with me is don't hit me up. Don't want to talk. I don't want to do any of that. Actually, I have enough on my plate. I don't have time to talk. So, no, I'm sorry. I'm a recluse. I got enough. This is why I do these podcasts is I get to do that with y'all. And then that's it. The DMs are closed. And then I'm out. I got other things to do. Um, So there you go. Corbin, Lauren, thank you as always for the time. I greatly appreciate it. And I will talk to you guys next week. All right, that's a wrap on today's edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you again to Lauren Gunn and Corbin Ford for hopping on today's edition of this very podcast. Uh, Make sure to go give them a follow on Twitter and keep up with their great work uh, this week and going forward. Uh, If you like listening to the three of us talk NBA, please go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please to uh, make sure that you go check out uh, us on YouTube. Yeah, we're on YouTube. You can watch this very podcast there, youtube.com, the Chase Thomas podcast. You'll find it. Type it in, hit that subscribe button, like, share it out, all that good stuff. Um, you can also email this very program, any NBA questions that you have for Corbin, Lauren, and myself, or just in general about the show, anything like that, Chase Thomas podcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow myself on Twitter at Chase double underscore Thomas. Like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. And of course, hit up the daily newsletter, uh, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me, sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Type in your email. That's simple. Uh, New episodes every day on this very feed. Uh, All right. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.